It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ every weekday morning from our studio on the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, visit ellerslie.com. Impossible is a word that uh, we don't oftentimes gravitate towards and want to group ourselves with because we like possibles. Uh, it does yeah. sound nicer to the human uh, natural mind, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, if you're planning and plotting out a, a business plan or anything, you don't look for impossibilities, you look for possibilities. And most of our life as humans is built around what can be done, not what can't be done. And yet in the kingdom of heaven, God wants to move us into the territory of impossibility. Mm -hmm. uh, for those of you that are listening and aren't seeing this video uh, via video, uh, Philip Hartman's in the studio with me. Philip, it's great having you. Thanks. Uh, and uh, the name for this message is Nicknamed Impossible. And yesterday, you were making fun of my uh, my name for yesterday, which was nicknamed Shorty, uh, which is an interview yeah, I had with I was, Dan. Yeah. Uh, you said it I sounded like a, a rodeo guy or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you like the name of this one better, is what yeah, you're saying? Yeah, I, I do actually like the yeah, name Impossible. Yeah, nicknamed yeah. Impossible. I like it a lot. Uh, so this is stemming out of the sermon that uh, I gave on Sunday called The Brilliance of Weakness where we were talking about the fact that God purposely delights in a strange way with weakness. He, he, he seems to be a fan of it because it's his chosen thoroughfare through which to reveal his glory. It's his mm -hmm. chosen soil through which to grow grace, strength, and power. And so we see that in Paul's life mm -hmm. where even though he is weak, in and through that weakness comes forth the strength of God. And so he says, I take pleasure in this weakness. I mean, that's sure. quite a statement. And however, we as Christians don't always have the same attitude. And so if you haven't heard the message from Sunday, I would highly encourage it. So you can go to ellersley.com and go to the sermons page. If it's this week that you're hearing this, you can go to ellersley.com forward slash daily, and you will see both the sermon and all of the daily thunders that sort of unpack it. But Philip, you and I wanted to sort of dig into this idea of the impossible and just explore how God's mind works on this, because sure. it is it is profound. And I think you and I have a have a delight in this, even though it intimidates us, you know, as humans as well. But could you sort of give some foundational points of reasoning and let's build sure. it out? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's interesting. I mean, I think on Monday you talked about Gideon yeah. and God trimming away down to an impossible situation yeah. you could say to a weak situation yeah. uh you know of course the story of it all of us immediately think of is, is the crossing of the red sea yeah and it's interesting because if you think about i mean here you have god with these 10 plagues uh -huh. that he's walked them through it's quite the journey that they've walked through and now here they are they're leaving and they could have gone a different route in other words god could have had them go a different route but he doesn't mm -hmm. he has them backed into the red sea yeah and so it's interesting how God will lead his people into the impossible very purposely mm -hmm. to bring us to depend upon him. Mm -hmm. And then you have, of course, you have Moses, who is is looking unto God and believes. I mean, even Josephus' accounts of him, it, the, the prayer of Moses, if you haven't ever read it, it's, it's really quite amazing oh, it to, to read. But it, he says basically that God could even fly us over the mountains. Yeah. Uh, and, and his prayer is just, God, we believe you. Yeah. What's interesting there is, of course, he's believing in, in light of 
people wanting to stone him at the same time. <laughs> and so the people here, they are looking at themselves, looking at what is possible. Uh-huh. And so looking at the impossible with a human mindset breeds complaining, uh-huh. grumbling, ultimately death, yeah. because it leads us to go back to Egypt. Yeah. And and so it's interesting how God uses the impossible to, to test us, mm-hmm. but then also to build us, yeah. because the crossing of the Red Sea becomes a key foundation for even the people of Israel looking back on that and saying, yeah. God built us. Yeah. So he uses that to build us, uh, not to be dependent upon ourselves, yeah. but so that we would know him and, and that we'd be prepared for even greater challenges, that we'd remember him, that we'd remember those impossible situations, uh, even in, in seemingly less impossible situations. And so you have this sort of this contrast between Moses and the people. And of course, our job is to say, what is our God's response? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. To our God, there is no impossible, of course, yeah. that he is the God of the impossible. Yeah. And and so we can trust him and rely upon him and smile right in the midst of it. And in fact, I think as Christians, as we begin to experience impossible, you know, Paul talks about learning how to be content in plenty yeah. and in need. Yeah. And it's interesting because you could say in need is sort of in the, in the impossible. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, it, it takes contentment in plenty, but it also takes contentment in the impossible. And as a Christian, as we go through impossible, I know in my own soul, I sort of begin to, to, to smile. It's like, Oh, I've seen this before. Mm -hmm. Okay. Lord, what are you going to do? And, and how are you going to use this situation? Yeah, sure. It's impossible. Great. That's our ultimate situation. We're going to know you better. We're going to see you better. We're going to, we're going to behold the work of Christ and the power of God. And he uses it for his glory. That's right. So let's, let's visit that uh, Red Sea scene. We have, a nation basically moving with women, children, and livestock, and they're not moving very quick, and they have no weapons. They were brickmakers uh, in Egypt. They didn't carry out with them weapons. And the most formidable, strongest military force in the world is now angry, like a hornet's <laughs> nest has been uh, struck, and they're after them. And so that that's one of the reasons why this is such a profound story is you have on every side something that's blocking the way. Mm-hmm. Mountains on either side of them, and then they're backed up to the Red Sea with this formidable army coming at them, and they're angry. I have thought about that situation so many times in my own life where I look around and I'm thinking, but God, if you could just do this, I could have gotten out of this way. But why Why is that door closed? This door is closed too. God, why... Why am I backed into this situation? And then I have to remember the Red Sea to recognize that God orchestrated that situation. And he wasn't like, oh, no, I am so sorry, guys, that I put you in this situation. Nor is he sorry that he allows me to walk through these narrow channels of difficulty Mm -hmm. where I have no ability in my own human reason. I can't talk my way out of it. I can't beg my way out of it. I'm just stuck. What am I stuck in? Dependence. Yeah. He said, I, be still and know that I am the Lord. That's the context. It's not a coffee shop sitting yeah. there with your nice Bible and your latte. Be still and know that I'm the Lord. <laughs> it's it's like, impossible. Yeah. It's right impossibles. Now, right now, Eric, Philip, do you trust that I am God? Yeah. Yes, I do. Do you trust that I'm able to do exactly as I said I would do? Yes, I do. You see, when your boat is filling up with water, and you're a good fisherman, you you don't usually panic, but this is a panic situation. It says their lives were in jeopardy, and they're, they're begging for mm-hmm. Jesus to wake up. 
and this is the way many of us are too. We start to panic instead of trust. I don't know what they should have done in that situation. We joke about that. Should they have closed their eyes and taken a nap next to Jesus? What would faith have looked like? <laughs> but you know, for, for you and me, we've walked through this a lot. At Ellerslie, we've had a lot of situations where we couldn't reason our way out of it. We were just pinned. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, we don't have the resource for this. We don't have the ability to do this. Okay, God, we're at your mercy. But we trust that you're the God of the impossible. Amen. And we've learned to, like you said, rejoice in it and even be expectant. You see, if they don't have that, let's let's imagine that there's just this nice little walkway across the Red Sea, a nice little high area, you know, where the water's on both sides and there's a little path down the middle. You know, it might be a little treacherous and, you know, hey, don't, you know, stay in the middle of the path, kids, and we're going to make it across. But there's nothing supernatural. Mm-hmm. In this situation, everyone in Israel knows That's right. that God is God. They know who saved them. They know that it was the deliverance of God. There's no question about that. And many of us don't want to go to that place of extremity to have it be proved that God is God. But at the end of the day, for them to walk across the Red Sea is sort of meaningless if they don't have God. (laughs) Right? It's true. So, sure, you might have treachery and impossible, but we have God. Uh, We were talking about David and Goliath and just the, the way that God sets up this impossible situation. But I was thinking, you know, it's interesting that the world also, when we face an impossible situation, there's always an Egypt to lean upon. Yeah. Sort of where where uh, in the prophets it talks about them leaning upon Egypt as a broken reed, yeah. and meaning it's not going to support them. But even in the story of David and Goliath, you have this Egypt option, which is Saul. Yeah. And he even offers up his armor. Yeah. And to the human mind, it's like, okay, this is yeah. becoming better. We've got armor yeah. now. We've got yeah. it. And yet, God doesn't reason that way. Yeah. And can you imagine had David gone in w- with with Saul's armor, <laughs> uh, he, he wouldn't have won the battle yeah. because he would have been dependent upon his own strength, upon yeah. the the armor of Saul. But we always yeah. have that armor of Saul solution in our life yeah. that maybe we even know it's not ideal or it doesn't yeah. fit quite right. Yeah. But it's easier than than the impossible. Because we're trying to avoid the impossible as if it's a plague instead of that it's an advantage. Yeah. God's territory is the impossible, but most of us don't want to go there. We don't want to go where it's God's territory. We want to go where we're in control. We're not in control in the impossible territory. And so David is going to deliberately give up Saul's armor, give up Saul's uh, sword and shield, and he's going to go out there in faith. And faith is God territory. God has to come through. It's not just David that needs to come through. It's God that has to come through. And David is bold in that situation because he knows because he's experienced it with a lion and with a bear previously, that his God will indeed come through when he is a shepherd, stands up to defend his sheep. And I think that's where I think we both resonate with this is God has trained us on lions and Mm -hmm. on bears to the point where when when we face some more challenging, more formidable Mm -hmm. uh, challenges, we've actually begun to smirk and said, you know what, God, this is still humanly uncomfortable, (laughs) but I know, I know that you're going to come through. Uh, And it it is a a strange delight. So, uh, I mean, most of the Bible is riddled with stories about this. I mean, everything we're talking about, I mean, you think about uh, Elisha and his servant Mm -hmm. and being surrounded by the Syrian army. The situation is not looking good. And yet... The, the servant's just sipping his coffee, or I'm sorry, Elisha's just sort of sipping his coffee as the servant's, right. you know, falling to pieces. He's like, hey, Lord, open his eyes. Let him see what I see. And he sees horses and chariots of fire all around. 
And in other words, the, those that are with us are greater than those that are with them. If God be for us, who can stand against us? It's a mentality that God wants to cultivate in us as believers. And like you say, I think a lot of it comes down to the, our human desire for control, yeah. which is which is sin, basically. Yeah. I yeah. want to control my own life. And so we have this option before us, and we see, like you say, riddled throughout the scriptures. Yeah. We can get God yeah. and, and all that he represents, or we can have Saul's armor. Yeah. And, and yet... If we want God, we yeah. have to give up everything. Yeah. We say, I, I give up control. And yet, in light of God, why would we want Saul's armor? Yeah. <laughs> in light of, why would yeah. we want just a possible mundane situation in light yeah. of all that he desires yeah. to do? We were talking about the the barren women, mm-hmm. all throughout the lineage of Jesus, mm-hmm. which is interesting that God, even in his own plan to yeah. crush the serpent's head yeah. Yeah. with the seed of a woman, sets up impossible situations yes. over and over and over. I mean, yeah. so many women in Jesus' line... Yeah are barren women. Well, he's going to start out with Sarah, and mm-hmm. he's going to give a promise to Abraham about what's going to come out of he and Sarah's you know, marriage relationship. Doesn't he know that she's barren? I mean, God, you, you yeah, really... Not just sort of... barren, but old. <laughs> <laughs> barren, old. We've got some issues here, God. He purposely seems to start out this lineage of faith right. with impossibility. But keep going. There's more than that. Well, I just, uh, I was thinking about, you know, you have front of a line, but then you get down to Hannah where, where her barrenness causes her to cry out to God. Yeah. And, and I think that's where for us, impossibility should cause us to cry out to God, yeah. that God will set us up in situations not just so that we can cry out when it's impossible, but like he talks about in Deuteronomy 8, when you yeah. go into the land and you settle down, don't turn around and go, oh, yeah, this is a great thing I've built for myself yeah. Yeah. and become self-reliant, but that yeah. we would still depend upon God, yeah. that we'd be reliant upon him and and prepared for the next impossible yeah. that we're going to face. And so I think even today that brings us, you know, we need to cry out to God recognizing we've been given a task yeah. that's impossible. Let's yeah. embrace the impossible yeah. task. Yeah. Uh, let's let's embrace the impossibility of the, the life that God has called us to. Yeah. So many of us spend time dumbing down yeah. the life that God has called us yeah. to as opposed to saying, well, yeah, it's impossible. Yeah. That's why God called us to it yeah. is because he desires to do it. Yeah. That's right. And yeah, with man, this is impossible. Yeah. With God, it's not. Yeah. So here we are, modern church, we're barren. Uh, for the most part. It doesn't mean that as individuals, we don't have a vibrant life with Christ. But as a whole, we're faltering mm-hmm. right now. We're not looking strong. This isn't our best hour. Mm-hmm. And yet, like that story in that is, is uh, consistent throughout the Bible in so many different forms, God loves to take the weak and turn it into a picture of his strength. And mm-hmm. so I think you know, if God's people who are called by his name would humble themselves and pray and seek his face and turn from their wickedness, God will heal and he will do something. It says when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord raises up a standard against him. And right now the enemy is coming in like a flood. We, we, the church are weak. We're sort of like a Sarah or a Rebecca, a Hannah, a, uh, an Elizabeth in the new Testament, you know, where it's just like, God wants to do something great out of us. But he allows for there to be an impossible situation. I think that's a pretty good description in both mm-hmm. of our minds and probably many people listening. It's like if, if we were betting people and say, so what are the odds that the church is going to stand upright uh, tomorrow and get its growl back and truly change the world? It's like we know it's possible. Sure. Is it possible that God can part a Red Sea? Oh, sure. He can do anything. Yeah, but 
is he going to do it? And that's where I want to be like Moses, standing up against that mm-hmm. Red Sea, against our current situation and say, I believe that my God mm-hmm. wants to do something right now. I am not going to waver right now. I believe in the God of the impossible. So thank you, Lord. Yeah. Amen for this impossible circumstance that you have led the church of Jesus Christ to in the year 2021. And so I think we should all start getting excited, if anything, that our God probably has us exactly where he wants us because it's a place that demands faith. That's right. You know, there was a, what you're saying makes me think of a Chinese house church leader that came and spent some time in U.S. This was quite a while back. And he sort of visited a bunch of churches in the U.S., went back, and the church leaders in China said, so tell us about the church in America. And what, what was it that stuck out to you most? And here was his answer. He said, I was amazed at how much they get done without God. <laughs> it's a terrible statement. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, that's... Uh, yeah. And so, I, like you say, we have to humble ourselves and yeah. say, Lord, we're not going to just do yeah. programs. Yeah. We're not going to just try and get things done without yeah. you. Yeah. But we're going to go forward in faith. Yeah. We are going to move. We're going to yeah. obey. Yeah. But we're going to do it in dependence upon God, recognizing that, that we water, we, we, we sow seed and so on. But, but he brings the increase. Yeah. And, and as a church, it's time for us to repent yeah. of our self-dependence yeah. and become yeah. God-dependent. So let's maybe finish with this statement, this concept of, in a sense... The world is offering us armor. The ability is like, okay, you want to be the church? You just need to use our tools. You really want to change the world? Here's the way it works. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we're, we've done all the scientific studies and analysis on how people are moved and how people are changed. Here's our techniques that we would deliberately right now as the church set that aside and say, nope, mm-hmm. no, I haven't proven those. One thing I have proven is that the Spirit of God knows what he's doing. Yeah. Amen. He's able to empower us for such an hour as this. Right. He's able to breathe life into us and make us like the Ezekiel 37 army, an exceedingly Amen. great army. Amen. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder is streamed daily, Monday through Friday, from our studio in Windsor, Colorado. And our weekend church service is delivered live and streamed at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Join us at live.ellersley.com. Note that our live weekday in-person version of Daily Thunder is scheduled to resume this upcoming June in conjunction with our training season. Learn more at ellersley.com. Thanks for listening.